0: If you're new, I'm Jamie, one of the pastors here. It is my honor and privilege to invite you to point your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 18, Luke chapter 18. Here at PBC, we work through books of the Bible a little bit at a time, and uh, we've made our way through Luke's Gospel, and uh, we find ourselves this morning opening up chapter 18, Luke chapter 18. The section we'll be considering this morning is verses 1 down to 8. Luke 18, 1 to 8. If uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one provided for you in the pew in front of you, one of the black Bibles. You'll find Luke 18 appearing on page 877. And by the way, if you don't own a Bible, uh, please go ahead and take that one home with you. That is this congregation's gift to you, so that you would have a copy of God's Word of your own. Luke chapter 18. Tomorrow is, as you've heard already, the beginning of Missions Week here at Pickle Baptist. It's one week, a year, that we set aside for personal devotion and for prayer and for a concerted effort and uh, focus on God's glory in global missions, so the advance of God's gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, you've already heard about this, but um, I would just like to encourage you all to come back on Wednesday night, 6.30 p.m. here at the church and uh, we'll hear from our, our brother Glenn um, and his mission in Cambodia, and uh, Lord willing, also give a talk on, uh, as Pastor Steve already mentioned, a uh, man by the name of Adoniram Judson who this church supported a couple hundred years ago. Uh, so if you uh, have that evening free, I would encourage you to come back, and uh, I'm sure you'll be blessed by that. In addition, on your way out, make sure that you picked up one of these a missions uh, guide. It's uh, on the little tables back there. Make sure you take one of those home with you. Each day you'll have an opportunity to pray for uh, a particular unreached people group as we're asking the Lord to send workers into the harvest, into the nations. So I'm going to go ahead and read uh, verse 1 down to 8, pray for our time together, and then we'll get, uh, get to work working our way through this particular passage. Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary.'" For a while he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Let's pray. Lord, we bow ourselves before you and we ask that you would grant to us your Holy Spirit by whom we are able to understand the words that we have just read. Speak to us now and write these truths upon our hearts. Amen. In large part, Missions Week is the reason I'm a preacher. I preach to proclaim the excellencies of Christ until Christ is all. And I'm convinced that when our God is faithfully proclaimed, that God the Holy Spirit will enable his people to see the manifold excellencies of Christ and having their hearts so moved by him, so compelled by him in joy, That they would give their whole lives to him and to having him proclaimed in the places where he is not known. In Missions Week, we're not asking, should I go to the nations to proclaim the excellencies of Christ with those who've never heard? We're not asking, should I go? In Missions Week, we're asking, should I stay? What reason do I have to stay when so many out there have never heard? Well, there is a reason. There is one good reason to stay. You stay to send. You stay to send. You stay to serve your brothers and sisters in your church so that your church can send brothers and sisters to the unreached. You stay and work and pray and give so that your church would be healthy. Because healthy churches start new churches that send. And so that's the purpose in preaching. Regardless of the text, my goal is the same. I want you to see the magnificent memories of Jesus Christ and so be moved by your joy in Him that you would leverage your life to making Him known in places where He is not known. Today's text is a text on prayer, not missions. Or is it? Here's the goal of today's sermon. You can see it on the screen. Rejoice in the glories of your God, who is just and loving, who is wise and good, and who hears and answers the prayers of his elect. To rejoice in the glories of God, who is just and and loving, who is wise and good, and who hears and answers the faith-fueled prayers of his elect. Let's have a look at the text again. Let's consider verse 1. Jesus is speaking again to his, his, his disciples, and he says, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. To always pray and not lose heart. Although we've started an entirely new chapter in the Gospel of Luke, I'm not convinced that we've started an entirely new subject in the Gospel of Luke. The chapter starts with the word and. Jesus is still speaking to his disciples. They are the them in verse 1. So our Lord's teaching on prayer here and God's response to prayer here is... In many ways, a continuation of the Lord's teaching from chapter 17. And if you were with us last Lord's Day, you'll remember the Lord teaching His disciples about His coming kingdom, about the reality of the kingdom, that it is already here, and yet it is not yet here. And the Lord taught us that in His day, the day which He calls the days of the Son of Man, they will mark a great separation in humanity. Now, there are those who will be saved through judgment, and there are those who will be destroyed by judgment. Only those two, those who have received the salvation of God through Jesus Christ and those who have rejected the salvation of God through Jesus Christ. Last week was a sobering text, and this text is related to it. It is a call to prayer. Because the hearts of man are opposed to the lordship of Christ. We saw this firsthand on Tuesday. You know what Tuesday told us? Tuesday told us that Ohio is in need of revival. And revival starts in the prayer room. Remember what God told Israel in the Old Testament? If my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And that was true of Israel. It is true of those who are in Christ. Whatever effect that you are hoping that Piqua Baptist Church would have here in Piqua, in Miami County, in the world, it begins with prayer. And so the Lord tells His disciples, they ought to always pray and not lose heart. Christian prayer is not the least thing you can do. Prayer is always the best thing you can do. We've got to like lock this into our minds because we just keep on thinking that. Well, at least I can pray for you. No, friends, the most you can do is pray. Prayer is a believer communicating with their God, expressing their dependence upon Him for all the things. First, First Thessalonians chapter five even tells us to pray without ceasing. Meaning, live your life with a Godward orientation in all things and at all times. So Christian, when you lay down to sleep, think of the sorrows and joys that comprise the day and thank God that he's in control, that maybe you didn't get your to-do list done, but God always does. And when you wake in the morning, may your first thoughts be of him, thanking him for new mercies and a new day. As you think about the responsibilities that you face that day, pray for the Lord to give you wisdom so that you would do those things faithfully. When you eat, thank God for His kind provision. When you pour yourself a good cup of coffee, thank God for a good cup of coffee. If you drink Folgers, then, well, maybe thank God for the cup instead. On your drive to work or on your drive to the grocery, look out and thank God for the beauty of fall. When you think of someone you love, pray for them. When you think of some concern that's on your heart, pray for it. When you think of your church or your pastors, pray. When you hear a siren in town, pray. When you read of some disturbing news, pray. You're orienting your heart toward God in all things at all times. Pray without ceasing. That's what Jesus says. Always be praying. And then Jesus adds, and don't lose heart. The phrase there means to lose enthusiasm, to be discouraged, or to grow weary. And it is often the Lord's way that we should have to wait. For the answers to many of our prayers. There are a host of reasons why he would do this. Many he doesn't share with us, but some he does. One reason our prayers may go unanswered is because we're praying wrongly, not according to God's will, but according to our own will. James chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So that's one, re- one reason why your prayers may not go answered. But if you pray according to God's will, God promises that he will give you what you ask. 1 John chapter 5, 14, 15 should be written on our eyeballs. John writes, And this is the confidence that we have toward God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. So, if you're praying and the answer is delayed, make sure that you're praying according to God's will. And if you are, then wait for the answer. And don't get discouraged. Don't lose heart. Keep praying and trust the Lord. Because God answers Prayer. Do you want proof that God answers prayer? Oh, you have all the proof you need. Simply look in the mirror, dear Christian. You are proof that God answers prayer. You are a Christian because someone prayed for you. A friend, a neighbor, a parent, a grandparent, you know, I'm convinced that most of the people who are in heaven are there because some grandparent kept praying for them till they trusted in Jesus Christ. Grandma and grandpa, don't you dare give up praying for your grandchildren or your children. If you're not a Christian, you are here because people prayed that you would be here. You would have no way of knowing this, of course, but on Tuesday nights in the room right over there, a couple of elite special forces prayer warriors have been praying that you would come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and be convicted of your sin and turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ and be granted eternal life and baptized into the family of God. So you woke up this morning just thinking today was just another Sunday morning, but you didn't know it was a setup that a just and loving God set you up to bring you here to this place today to expose your need for Him and to grant you faith to believe in Him so that you would turn from your sin and trust in Him and be granted everlasting life. Always pray, dear Christian. And never lose heart. Now, that's easy to say, isn't it? But how many of us in this room have been praying for something for a very, very long time, and it seems like there is no answer, not even on the horizon? When God is long in answering a prayer, how can we not but be discouraged? Well, Jesus tells us how in the parable that follows. Let's pick up reading in verse 2. Jesus said, in a certain city there was a judge. He neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear me what the unrighteous judge says. So there was a judge, not a good judge. Jesus says he didn't fear God. He didn't respect man. Not exactly the kind of fellow you want judging people. And there was a widow, and she's suffering some kind of injustice from an adversary. We're not told what the injustice is. We're not told who the adversary is. Maybe she's having legal difficulty with her late husband's estate. Who knows? All we know that this justice issue to her is so bothersome that she's willing to turn up at the judge's office every single day until he gives her justice. She is unrelenting. She will not go away. The judge doesn't care at all, but apparently she knows enough of what he does care about himself, his peace and quiet, (laughs) so she pushes that button. She just keeps coming over and over and over again. For a while, he refuses her. But eventually, she wears him down. And he complains. Because she keeps coming to me, she keeps bothering me, I'll give in. I'll do what she asked. She's like a pebble in his shoe. She won't go away. She's determined and relentless. She will not be deterred until she has justice. But the, the judge eventually is worn down. And he gives in. And of course, not because he's a a compassionate person. Not because he loves her or cares about justice. But because he's tired of being annoyed. He's tired of seeing her. She's won by persistence. And then the Lord Jesus ends the parable. and, And then now he's speaking to the disciples. And he says, now hear what the unjust judge says. And so you're left thinking, what is Jesus communicating here? What is he telling us of a prayer? Is Jesus saying that in order to get God to listen to us, we have to be like that widow and keep banging relentlessly on the brass ceiling of heaven until God finally gets tired from hearing from us and gives in? Are we supposed to be like that annoying neighbor underneath with the like broomstick that keeps pounding on the ceiling until eventually you quiet down? Is that, is that what God expects of us down here? Is God like this judge? And, and, and is Jesus saying that, that God is so tight-fisted that our ears have to sort of pry out of his reluctant hands and answer? This is a parable of contrast. It's what some have called a how much more type of parable. We've seen this before in the Gospel of Luke. If the unrighteous judge is willing to give in to the widow's constant petitions, well, how much more will God, the righteous judge, graciously give his people whatever they need? And Jesus is teaching the disciples, actually, that God is not like that judge. God is not some kind of miserly old man screaming at kids to get off his lawn. God's people do not need to beat him down until he eventually gets tired of hearing from them and gives in. This is a parable of contrast, and there's contrast throughout the parable. Just consider The woman was a widow, but God's people, his elect, are chosen by him. The widow came to a court of law, but God's people come to the throne of grace. The widow didn't have easy access to the judge, but through Jesus Christ, God's people have open access to God anytime they like. The widow had no one to petition for her, But God's people have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. The widow might have wondered if she'd ever be heard by the judge. But God's people have innumerable promises that God does hear. The widow had to make her own case before the judge. But God's people have the spirit of God who helps us to pray as we ought. The widow... Pled before an unrighteous judge, but God's people plead before a merciful and just judge. The judge answered the woman because he was annoyed by her. But God answers his people because he delights in them. So this is a parable of contrast. The Bible teaches that God is a bountiful giver, a generous giver. If you've been with us in the series of Luke... You'll remember back in chapter 11, Jesus said, if you, speaking to the disciples who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? When Jesus says, be persistent in prayer, it's not because God is ignoring us, it's because we know that God hears us and will answer. Be persistent in prayer because you know that God hears because you know that God will be just, because you know that God will answer your prayer in exactly the right way and exactly at the right time. Even if you don't understand the delay, you know that God will do right. Christian, you know that God will do right. How do you know? Jesus. Jesus is how you know. Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You see, if God was willing to give his own son to die on the cross for your sin, then would he ever withhold from you something that is needful? Of course not. Because precious things are protected things. If a man saves up for 10 years to buy a convertible, he doesn't park it in the rain. If our Lord was willing to spend the life of his son to purchase our salvation then are we to think that his delay is because he doesn't care? Of course not. There are delays. And those delays are for a reason. And those reasons are for our good. The late Tim Keller put it like this. God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked, if we knew everything he knows, you tracking with that? If you knew everything God knows, you would ask for exactly the life you have right now—setbacks, sorrows, and suffering included. So persistent prayer. Not because God is reluctant to answer, but because God is eager to answer. Well, that's what the Lord says next, verse 7. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So believers are not to be like this importunate widow, and God is not like this unrighteous judge. God will give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night. God will not delay long over them. And, And the Lord teaches us several things about the character and nature of God in these couple of verses. First thing we learn about who God is is that God is just. He gives justice. God is righteous. He will make right. He will do right by his people. Deuteronomy 32, the, the rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. So the Lord is a God of justice. This means, Christian, that you always have a final court of appeal. The courts of this age will fail us. Whether they're the court of law, or the court of public opinion, or the court of a jerk of a boss... The justice system of man will fail. Votes will go the way of death. The heart of man is corrupt and greatly deceived. But God's people always have a higher court of appeal. So Christian, when you're treated wrongly or unfairly, you send your appeals up to the judge of all the earth. His gavel never misses. Call upon the name of the Lord. Psalm 89 says that justice and righteousness are His throne, the foundations of His throne. So God is just. Well, the second thing that Jesus teaches us about the character and nature of God here is that God is loving. So God is just and God is loving. God will give justice to His elect. The widow And the parable is nameless. But you, dear Christian, are not nameless. God knows your name. He knows your name, and you are his chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Christian, God knows you. Long before you knew him, he knew you. Long before you were a glimmer in your parents' eyes, you were a glimmer in your creator's eye. And he wrote down for you all the days that he formed for you before you experienced even a single one of them. God knew all the idiosyncrasies that make you, you. He knew all the ugly, self-indulgent wickednesses that you do. And he chose you in Christ and made you his own. God knows everything there is to know about you. Every hair on your head is numbered. He loves you on your best day and no less on your worst day. He loves you when you're being an incorrigible grump. When no one else can stand to be around you, God can't get enough of you. And remember this, when you're coming to him in prayer. God the Father looks upon God the Son and sees you wrapped up in him, dressed in the robes of his righteousness. And he says, this is my beloved son, my beloved daughter. Give her whatever she wants. God will give justice to His elect. Some people shy away from the Bible's teaching on election and predestination. And I I wonder if it's just because some fools have turned these doctrines into hammers that they use to just pound every nail that bends Arminian. People have been sloppy and reckless with these doctrines. There are some doctrines of Scripture which are so precious that can only be held by soft hands. They can only be spoken of by careful lips. Election is one of those precious doctrines. It's a jewel. Jewels are not used for crushing, putting people in their place. Jewels are meant for adornment. And the jewel of election is an adornment on the crown of our marvelous God who set his love on undeserving, ill-deserving sinners like us. Not because of something that he saw in us or foresaw that we would do, but simply because he's so gracious and good. Do you see what a What a precious help the doctrine of election is to you in prayer. Think about it. What hope did this widow have that she'd get justice from this unrighteous judge? She had none. She just had to keep pestering him until he finally tired of her. Oh, but you, dear Christian, who have been chosen by God, not because of anything good in you, but of all good in him, you then don't have to worry whether you've prayed the right way or prayed with the right motives or prayed with the right words or prayed enough times God is your father he adopted you into his family because he loved you and his love for you is not conditioned upon you it's simply who he is and so when you pray he just says you're mine of course i want to give you my very best for those who've been chosen by God, we call upon God's electing love to comfort us in our daily and nightly cries for justice. And we can call upon God's electing love which will fill us with confidence as we approach the throne of grace. Because sometimes we're going to hear the answer, no. Those of you who are parents, you're wild about your kids. And oftentimes your answer is no. Not because you hate them or want to withhold some good from them, but because you want to give good to them. And oftentimes their requests are not what's good for them. So God's electing love set upon you knows that when you hear no, it's not because God is angry with you. Or God is withholding good from you, but he's storing up good for you. Sometimes God's answer is going to be later. The answer is yes, but not right now. (laughs) Yes, sweetheart, of course, in my time. And that brings us to the next two things that the Lord teaches us about the character and nature of God in this passage. So God is just, God is loving, also God is wise and good. God is wise and good. God will respond to the cries of his people with an answer in exactly the right way in exactly the right time. That's what Jesus says. He will give justice to them speedily. Now here's, the, here's the trick. Here's the tough part. That word speedily gets CB defined by him, not by me. Oh, I wish I could I could define it for you. I wish I could. Because I know what speedily would mean for me. And I want that for you, too. But you see, I don't know what God knows. And so his speedy answer is in his time. He knows more than us. He's more wise than us. He wants more good for us. And speedily is defined by him. And his timing is perfect. So what do we do down here? And where's words that leave us? I mean, some of you have been praying for something for years. Spend some time this afternoon reading Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3. It's particularly helpful. Habakkuk 2, 3. For the vision awaits its appointed time. The vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Is God's answer to your prayer delayed? Well, friend, it only appears that way. God's answer will arrive in exactly the time God has set for it to arrive. If it seems slow, Wait for it. Trust in the Lord. Know that he is good. He is wise. And that's what Jesus says last, verse 8. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find his people trusting in his timing? Will he find people undeterred who are waiting for the answer to their prayer because they trust that God is wise and God is good? Will he find a people who, like Job, though he slay me, yet I will trust him? Prayer is a practice of faith. It's a practice of turning to the Lord, fully dependent on him, trusting that he hears us, trusting that he will do right by us, and prayer is uh, eschatological meaning it's focused on the end it's focused on a time when christ will come in all his glory with the saints of god to bring heaven down to earth and and that day isn't yet and so we wait for it and while we wait we trust we pray And we work. And that brings us back to missions week. Missions week, if it's about anything, it's about prayer. Well, that's what the Lord taught us, isn't it? And In Matthew's gospel, the Lord says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers into the So we pray this week. We pray earnestly. We pray the Lord would send workers to the unreached peoples of the world. We take one of those booklets home and we pray over that unreached people group and pray that God would send workers to work among them, to tell them about the only way that they can be reconciled with their Creator. We pray about going. Since workers are needed, we pray about being a worker ourselves. If we stay, and most of us will, we ask the Lord how he might use us to send. We ask the Lord how he would have us support our church's efforts to send workers into the harvest. We look at our finances and say, if I'm not giving, why am I not giving? How can I restructure my finances so that I might begin giving so that my church can send more workers into the harvest? We ask the Lord how we might disciple one another, how we might serve the people of our church so that our church is healthy because healthy churches start new churches who send missionaries. So if you're not involved in discipling or being discipled, get involved. Start meeting with somebody on a regular basis. Open up the Bible. Encourage them in the Lord. If you're not sure how to do that, see one of the pastors. We'll help you. We'll model it for you. Then we'll hand it over to you. If God has elected you, paid for your sins, past, present, and future sins, if God has made you his own and guaranteed you life everlasting, then what, dear Christian, do you have to lose? You can leverage your whole life to God's global glory. You can turn up on a Tuesday night and meet that special forces prayer team. That's praying for revival in Ohio, in America, in the world. Out of your joy in Christ, you can share the good news of the kingdom with your friends, with your neighbors. And the Lord may be pleased to open their eyes to the glories of Christ and to unite them to the church. And who knows? Perhaps they will become one who is sent to the places where Christ is not known. Would you pray with me this week that God would send workers into the harvest? Let's pray for that now. Father, we come to you standing upon the merits and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask you these things, not because we deserve your ear, but because Jesus has granted us access. And we confess, O Lord, that we have not understood what Jesus has taught us here, We've neglected to see that you are just and loving and wise and good. We have become discouraged in our prayers. We've not prayed as we ought. Forgive us, O Lord, for our faithlessness. And would you look upon your Son and accept his life as our pardon and fill us with the Holy Spirit and enable us to always pray and not lose heart. Please place your hand upon my people this week during Missions Week, enable every one of them to pray often. The gospel would be advanced to the ends of the earth. Lord, can we go? Can we go to the unreached? Can we give our lives to proclaiming the excellencies of Christ in the nations? Lord, if we're to stay, would you please keep us from lukewarmness and unprofitableness, from the pride of building our own kingdom, blind to our own corruptions? And give us grace to leverage our whole life for your global glory with our time and our talents and our treasures. Do this so that Jesus would get the glory he deserves. Amen. Please stand to your feet for the prayer of confession. At the end of our services, we go to the Lord and look for an assurance that those who are trusting in him for the forgiveness of their sins are truly pardoned for those sins. And our assurance today comes from Psalm chapter 65, verse 3. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions.